This episode is sponsored by O2. Check out o2.co.uk for details of O2 Refresh, the tariff that lets you get the latest phone whenever you want. Welcome to 361 Degrees Season 6, Episode 2. My name is Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review. I'm Ray from the All About Sites. And welcome back to the World Travel Market. Now, things are quietening down. It's the end of the day here, guys. Right. We, we mentioned it at the end of Episode 1. Yes. But uh, Ewan, just explain to us briefly what is it that we all just did. Okay, so we, we did a panel discussion uh, here at Mobile, uh, sorry, at uh, World Travel Market. I almost said Mobile World Congress there. I'm just it's thinking that's, that's the, the event uh, for the mobile industry. But uh, it, we were invited by World Travel Market. Uh, it's the largest show of its kind, as far as I'm aware, where, where the travel industry arrives into London, Excel. And they, they wanted to know our perspective on mobile and travel. And we also brought, <coughs> excuse me, I brought along... Andrew, do a bit of coffee if you like. Sorry, sorry. Andrew Cocker, who's the chief marketing officer of Skyscanner, and he did a presentation. Then we did a panel discussion, and I have to say, you guys were excellent. I think, yeah, I think I was. Yeah, yeah. thank you. And, uh, and, and Blanford, Blanford, uh, Blanford was very impressive. And, and Ray Blanford was there too. Yes, I was there too, and we were really talking about how, with regard to the travel industry, desktop was dead, and mobile was everything. So everyone listening to this podcast doesn't need us to recap that because they already think it. Agreed. Agreed. So uh, the other thing we should say, of course, is this is our first, well, properly sponsored episode of 361 Podcast. It is indeed, yes. Uh, we want to say amazing thank you to the guys from O2, yep. who are one of our sponsors for Season 6. Uh, they are absolutely awesome for stepping up and offering prizes. Yes. And um, they, we are gonna, they've given us a number of HTC Ones, handsets. Ooh. Thank you. Right. Fate, fate. They've given us that's nice. They've given us four HTC ones, which real we handsets, brand new handsets in boxes, in boxes, which we are going to give away now. Unfortunately, they're going to go to uh, listeners in the UK, only in the UK, only in only in the UK. Now, right. And I apologise to, to listeners overseas, but we know that seventy five percent of of the guy, of people who listen to three six one are in the UK. So right. hopefully, it affects it gets most of you. So you could have had a HTC one, but sorry. Well, uh, we are, and, and, and trust me, I am looking for international sponsors as we go ah, as right, well. So is that so, a message as well? So right, if, well, you, if you know anyone. Exactly. If you know anyone, and we're definitely looking for them, and we haven't forgotten about you, it's just that the guys from o, the guys from O2 literally said yes the moment we asked them, and obviously, you know, they're... UK only. Well, the, these phones are for Can the I, UK. Well, what about the Isle of Lewis? Uh, I don't know. That's the Hebridean Isles. That does actually count as the UK, you, and I know you're Scottish, but... Scotland is still in the UK for the time being. Okay. I'm just but, checking. But All the right. point is, so uh, we're amazingly grateful for them to them for sponsoring this episode of 361 Podcast. And from episode three, the ne- next episode, if you uh, write in with feedback, comment, question, statement, mm-hmm. something you'd like to contribute to the show, and we pick it out next week and use it in the show, then every, every week that's sponsored from now on, um, we'll give uh, the best contribution in our eyes 
uh, a prize. And next week's one is going to be an HTC One. So get writing about anything you and, like. And just what kind of stuff we're talking about here? What kind of contributions? Audio. I like the idea of audio. If you would like to, if you'd like to record an audio clip, then you're absolutely welcome to. You could email us. You could put it on Facebook. You could put it on Twitter. You could make a comment on a, on any of the blog posts where you, where you read this. The the main thing really is let us know what you think, and we'll. So what, it's but it's any we, comment? Any comment? Any, right? Well, but. But we're looking for things that really interest us or contradict us or challenge us. Uh, it doesn't have, you don't have to record it as an audio clip in order to be in, there's a chance to win, a, to win it because Rafe Blanford will read it out for you. Yeah, and I, I'd say that we are the final arbiters of what's interesting as a comment, but that actually means it's Ben. And well, I, I'm just saying, if, if Rafe Blanford is going to read out your message, that, that is a prize in itself. That is a prize. And in you, you can even submit a video, but we won't be using the visual bit. It's an important clarification right. from the boy Blanford. So, um, like I say, on any subject, well, any, anything mobile related, and what we're going to do is have the, the sort of the, re, the, the listeners' letters, as it were, at the end of every show, and it will just have, be an interesting way to pick up themes, you know, to go back to previous episodes. Right. And, you know, and even if you think that we're talking complete rubbish and you want to correct us... Dan Lane, by the way. And, and friend That's of the show, Dan Lane, has Dan said Lane. on a yes. number of occasions Can't we talk rubbish. because he, he, he keeps wanting to yell uh, at us. Then let us know, and uh, frankly, you are, in, you are no more unlikely to win for criticising us than you are for emailing in to say yes I thought you were completely right it would right. be nice if someone said something nice in the feedback because you know, we do get a lot of you're wrong all the time well actually I have to say um, it, while we were while we were between the, between the shows and everything while we were doing that loads and loads of people emailing me through the web uh, through the website so it's inquiries at 361podcast.com and you can see all the icons on 361podcast.com our website you know all the ways you can contact us loads of people emailing saying they love the show they were really excited they were, they were looking forward to getting back and involved and there's quite a few people wanting to see around your estate but I, I, I've, I've told people at my work that you don't do that, right? Exactly. That, that's not a prize yet, no. Even no. if you listen to each episode twice. Not an episode. Okay, so things of the week, gentlemen, because we are, it's coming to the end of the day of World Travel Market, and we're going to have to probably go and sit in the car park soon. So let's keep this moving. Uh, okay, right, I'm glad, let me jump in there with my thing of the week, which is Sky Go Extra. Uh, Sky Television in the UK are a well-known um, uh, retailer of, of premium content as well as kind of satellite stuff and whatever. Um, they the SkyGo Extra is something that I pay five pounds a month for, and I have been slating it. It's been absolutely appalling for the last little while. The, the concept being, you can download the latest episodes of whatever the hell they're showing onto your phone or tablet, and then take it on the train. It's really cool. They really market the hell out of it, but it didn't work at all. Yeah, you're quite nasty about it when you wrote was about it. Pretty direct. You? Pretty direct. However, I need to say they have iterated, 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 and it now works beautifully. And I have been watching episodes of The Face. Highly recommended if you want to watch nonsense. Uh, these are supermodel Naomi Campbell et al. chatting about how to become a model. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, it's just, it's takes my mind off. Yeah, we don't you know, understand that either, nonsense. everybody. Al, al, who? Et al. Et al. Oh if you want something oh good to watch, I can recommend downloading Friday Night's Lights, which is about American football. I keep hearing about that. It's, it's worthwhile. But now that we're moving on from our TV recommendation phase, my thing of the week is just a little bit of mobile delight I had on the way up here today. I had an Oyster card, which is what we use in London to pay for public transport. It's a contactless payment card, you uh, prepaid card, fill it up with, uh, top it up with money. But sometimes you run out of uh, money and I should have put it into an automatic top up but I didn't and I want to know did I have enough money left on did I have to faff about with the machine before coming over to the lovely Excel center which of course I like now that I'm a Microsoft person I can officially say I like Excel 
Um, and I want to know, is my uh, Oyster card got any money on it? And I suddenly remembered, ah, oh, I'd linked it to a map, an app or a map, an app on my home screen, was able to see the balance immediately and see, yes, I can go into the tube without having to top up. So contact this payment and what I thought was, I wish I could swipe my phone rather than the card. There you go. Uh, this week, I have been thinking about LinkedIn intro, which was... Um, it's a boo. It's a well. It's a new service. Um, yeah, I've been hearing about this. So, so the guys from LinkedIn wanted to customise um, the iPhone mail client. Yeah. And they wanted to do to the iPhone mail client what the what uh, many plugins have done to Outlook and to Gmail, which is to oh. add a little window on the site to tell you all about the social information, oh, the photo yeah, right, yeah, of yeah. the person who is emailing you. And on the face of it, that sounds like a jolly good idea. Mm. But all the techies will know that you can't change Apple's iPhone client. You don't like there's, that. there's no uh, a. It's verboten. Yeah. Go see. Multilingual. Lovely. Very nice. Um, and secondly, it, there's no German. And it, it, it's not. Uh, it's not technically possible. They don't open it up. They don't encourage you yeah. to do that. So they figured out a way that what they would do is they would run all of your email through their server. All of every email. All of every email through their what, server. So your personal email. And yeah, and they would in, in, they would inject NSA listening to your email now. No, and, and they would they would inject they would inject the the little window of interactivity at the top of your email and then send it down to you. And they did this by sending out an iPhone profile. Now, if you're an iPhone user, you might be aware of these, but if you're not, it's basically a little package of settings which kind of resets your mail settings away from your mail provider to to LinkedIn and it sends them your mail oh, settings. I don't like that. And I don't like that either. Right. I think that's massively insecure. It's terribly bad practice and it means that you now rely on LinkedIn who are you know, a social network, but nothing more than a social network. They know where I worked, but they don't have, you know, my deepest, darkest personal data. They certainly don't have all my emails between me and my friends and family. Does this mean that if, if my wife, who is not on LinkedIn, for example, I think she is, but if she wasn't, and she just emails me, that's going through LinkedIn as well? Exactly. Yeah. Oof. So it, it's, bad, it's bad form, and I think more interestingly, it shows a real naivety because the guys from LinkedIn wrote a really big blog post. They were obviously dead proud they'd managed to solve this technical problem, and anyone with half a brain said, well, that's very clever, but it's still a terribly bad idea. Uh, There's just no way that's going to get past company policies for most email implementations, and given that LinkedIn is all about business, it was crazy that that wasn't even addressed in the blog post. So uh, I'm thinking about uh, good, you know, sort of nice, nice ideas done terribly. Right. Yeah. And that is Great. that is horrible. Okay, so we're at World Travel Market. I mean, almost, are, almost literally on our own now. As the place, the, the venue is emptying out. Yes. And we finished our we finished our presentation. And today we were talking all about travel apps uh, to an audience of people actually who who might be making them, buying them, using them for their customers. Yes. And and that was all very interesting. But we thought, well, rather than rather than recapping the apps we love, because we've talked about those in previous episodes. Yeah. Um, what we should do is we should talk about our view of what makes mobile travel apps good. So if you're a developer, you know what to do. And if you're a customer, you know what to expect and you know what to demand if your favorite travel app doesn't have it. So we're gonna do our 10 rules of mobile apps by the 361 team. Okay, let me get stuck in here by saying my, my first rule is offline. Offline, the application must work offline. I don't mind if it's degraded, but I want the facility to work perfectly fine offline because if I'm abroad I might rely on the fact that the application is working but that the the developer might be from Silicon Valley and think that I have Wi-Fi permanently or I have LTE whatever and routinely I am at a hotel reception desk 
and they say, oh, have you got this piece of information, uh, a reception, oh, sorry, I, uh, a booking idea or whatever. And I'll say, yes, yes, stand by, stand by. Or actually, do you know, it's, it's when they say, what's your, your uh, loyalty club number? I go, oh, wait a minute. I'll look it up and bang, because I haven't synced it or done something with it, I try and find the app. Even the hotel, the hotel's own loyalty app will need to go online to do anything ridiculous. So get offline working properly. And just uh, add to that, Euron, I think you also need to distinguish between different types of connections. So you have an LTE or Wi-Fi works wonderfully well, but a lot of the connections are on 2G, which means the data is slow and may not always work optimally. Just to give an example of best practice, I'm going to have my required Nokia mentioned nice and early in this version of the podcast. Yes, it's going to be a... Paging. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's Microsoft now. Anyway, it's Here Maps, and I do think this is one of the best examples of offline done properly. Basically, you can do all the navigation, the search on a map, and all the maps work offline. You can download for whatever country you like worldwide, lots of coverage, and it's really great. And it's the one thing I really miss when using a non-Nokia device, because I think it's been implemented really well, and it's always the case you miss it when you don't have it. Absolutely. Here, here. Uh, next one on the list is one I came up with, and it sounds obvious, but I want your travel app to solve my actual problem. So, what do I mean by that? Well, I was on ho- I was on a holiday recently, and I had a problem with my hire car. So I went into the hire car company's app, right. and I thought, I know, I'm going to solve this. Mm-hmm. And you know what the hire car company's app is really oh, great at? Yeah, it's on. really great at hiring me another car. <sighs> you know what it's not really great at? It's finding all the reservations I had before. Yeah. It's not great at telling me um, a contact number for the people back in, in the office. So to say I have a problem with the car. So the mobile phone app that you'll have with you with the mobile phone in the car that you're in doesn't actually do stuff about the car that you're in. And this was, the, and this was precisely it. This was the madness, was that the app had a customer service section. It had a section Ooh, that suggested... Well, that's good. Well, it had a section that was suggested it was going to help me. And you know what it did? It just took me to their website. Oh, great. <laughs> so my, my point there is, if you're putting, as Ray suggests, if you're putting a mobile app in people's hands, they're going to have it with them when they have a problem. And so it's a great way to help people. You could put loads of information in there. You could put loads of help in there. But what you need to do is tell people what to do when the, the processes that you have in your app don't work and you need to offer them lots of opportunities. So in the end, you just end up abandoning the app and you end up having to ring someone up and you're overseas roaming, you might not have coverage, as you and says, it all gets very expensive. So let's have an example of best practice for that one as well. Insurance company, car insurance, actually within their mobile app has an ability to report a problem. You can attach photos and video capture on your phone. It's a perfect example of how you should do something like that. So uh, rule number three is if you've got payments in your mobile app, make it as simple as possible. It should just be one or two taps. I don't want to enter my credit card multiple times. I don't want to have to sign up multiple times. Ideally, I want it on operator billing if it's a small transaction or just having to the okay. And there's a really good example of this in some of the, the, the taxi apps, which I think you and you've used a lot of, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I've used, I love the way Halo have implemented credit cards because obviously they do have to ask for your credit card number and they need to ask for your name, but they ask you the absolute bare minimum and they do all the thinking for you. So when you're typing your numbers in, um, it doesn't say, is it a MasterCard? Is it American? So it, it just identifies that. It guesses for you or and, it knows for you. And when you come to it next time, it's just a two-step process, I believe, to actually say, yeah, okay to that payment. And, and also... If you're doing credit card payments, be smart about how you do it because I have a parking app which um, 
you type in all your credit card details and the way that you complete the transaction is you type in the, I think it's called the CCV, it's the three digit that tends to be printed on the signature strip of your card. And I stood there in the rain, getting my wallet out of my pocket the other day and trying to balance it on my knee and flip it over to type in this three digit code. And thought, hang on a minute, if I've got my credit card out, I could go and put it in the parking machine and pay myself manually. You know, surely um, what, what I should do is be allowed to set up a password that I would remember and you store all the details because the whole point is that I want to be able to pay without having my credit card with me or without ha having to get my wallet out of my pocket at all. And I wonder how many times the people who design these apps actually try and use them. Absolutely. And I think with uh, smaller payments, you need to think about, as I say, operator billing because not every country has widespread credit card usage. And just to give you an example of that, app stores that implement uh, operator billing have a three times uplift on the number of uh, app purchases. Right. So I think that would apply to a lot of other circumstances as well. I just want to be clear that that was uh, we are authentically recording at World Travel Market. That was like a lady on a wee uh, cleaning machine there going by. A wee cleaning machine? Yeah, very nice. Does it clean other things as well? Probably. Well, that, uh -huh. got it. Right, okay, next up, roaming. Now, this is, I think, related to offline uh, as well, but roaming is still a big issue, uh, especially if your application has been designed by a guy from Silicon Valley who thinks you have, as I say, LTE everywhere, permanent Wi-Fi, and they're sending you beautiful, beautiful uh, pictures down the wire every five minutes. Uh, Airbnb, for example, right? Beautiful. But actually, I do find that apps that are very image-heavy when I'm meant to be using them abroad, it's still an arse, especially if I've only got 25 meg of free roaming data. I mean, for unlimited countries, that's no problem, but it's still an issue. And I, I would love to see a roaming mode. All right, you know, you, we know you need to use this abroad, so we'll use the minimum amount of data. Um, and even developers nowadays, they're still, because they're doing this kind of lazy approach to, to connectivity, they, you can feel the application making four or five different calls when it should have done one, one call to request the information, but it's just because the developer goes, oh, well, I'll just, I've got open internet access, I might as well just put it in there. And that's just using my, uh, my, my roaming data up unnecessarily. So that is a very important aspect. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Uh, next one up from me is, um, you need to remember that I speak English. Well, what do, I, what do I mean by that? Well, obviously, localization is brilliantly important really important you need to localize the services and, lo and localize based on the context of where I am but take for example um, Google mobile and I think actually this happens on Google desktop as well I went on holiday to Italy recently it was jolly nice I go everyone else should go there it's you get some nice, nice wine I, I did drink some nice wine right. and, and I ate some nice pasta and it was jolly three but use three by the way do you I, I did use yeah. three's unlimited uh, roaming data but when you fire up the browser, it says, would you like to switch over to the Italian service? And keeps nagging no. you and nagging you and <laughs> nagging. And that's it. And that's an example of um, an, another case, for example, was, and I forget which, it may even have been the old version of Nokia Maps. But um, we, did a video about, we did a video about that. We did. And we were in Rome. And we were searching for uh, the Colosseum. Colosseum. <laughs> and in order to find the Colosseum, you needed to type the name of the Colosseum in in Italian. Now, that possibly is forgivable because it's an Italian thing in Italy. But I think if I'm searching for something like the airport, 
I should be able, you, your system should be able to identify that because I'm an English speaker, I'm going to use English terms. Now, Google Maps is pretty good about this, although it does have a tendency to find things close to the airport that happen to have business names with the word airport in them. But you need to remember that localization is good, but because I've changed countries, I haven't changed, I personally haven't changed nationalities or languages. Okay, the next rule is that if you've got a mobile travel app, it should be easier than doing something the normal way or the other way. This is actually a rule that you could apply to any app, but I think it's particularly true of travel apps where you're quite often replacing some other methodology now, be that booking by phone or booking using a desktop browser or looking up a, a guidebook which is made of paper. Yes, they do still exist. And I would say if your app isn't better than the other experience, what's the point in doing it? Why am I using a, a mobile app? And actually the, the example I would have of this is if you've uh, created a lovely guide, you know, a tourist guide, I don't just want the digital version of it, I want some value add on it. It needs to right. maybe be location aware or have some extra links out or bring in some contextually relevant information or some current information because you know, we've all used the Michelin travel guide or equivalent Lonely Planet and they're great and actually being able to flip back and forward to them is really great but having search in a mobile travel guide is great and even better is if it can list you know upcoming events which would be out of date in any printed guide and also there's a difference between uh, a travel guide that I might want to read in advance to prepare for my journey Indeed. because I'd like to know a little bit of history or knowledge well, but when I'm there I've got an immediate need I want to go out for dinner or find a, a, an attraction to view or something like that and I want to be shown options that immediately solve uh, immediately solve problems with the criteria that matter to me then like I want to eat dinner in a mid-priced restaurant in the next 20 minutes within five minutes walk not please show me a review of all of the of all of the 10 best restaurants in all of Rome and so that contextual relevance is is really important here but I would also say it applies to services so look at Halo or Uber yep. or any of those texting they work because it's easier to use those than trying to flag a taxi down and if that rule doesn't apply to your mobile travel app, you shouldn't be releasing I'll it. give you a really quick example of where I, I see this working very nicely. It's not travel, but it's the banking app. Because actually, when I'm uh, sitting at my desktop, I will routinely bring out my phone to check my balance. Because it's easier. It's, it's five digits i got to enter. No, no nonsense, very easy. Is that, is that your balance, five digits, or is that the passcode? Uh, uh, no, the, the passcode, the balance is considerably in excess of five digits. Mine's a big round number. <laughs> uh, it's another important one, a really big bugbear of mine is do not drain my battery, right? My iPhone is rubbish enough, okay? It's really poor at managing its battery anyway. When I then run your wickedly cool application that's out there pinging the satellites every five minutes to get its location, that really is useless to me. Now, in another episode, I said City Mapper, lovely. Now, it is, but I can see the, the, the percentage of my battery de decreasing real time. Right, as I'm using it because it, it needs to monitor me you know, um, via satellite and keep the screen on and blah, blah, blah. That's really frustrating to me. So if you're doing a travel app, please, for goodness sake, do not drain my battery because I really need it when I'm walking around somewhere foreign. And it's really important in travel apps because, shockingly, you don't get plugs in the middle of tourist attractions. Okay, so on to our next rule, which is about door slamming. And this is to do with websites that try to encourage you to download their mobile app, which we think is a good thing. But what we don't like is them doing it over and over and over again. I will decide once or twice whether I want to download your app. 
And if I've decided not to, I certainly do not want to be reminded the next ten times. And, and I don't. Pro and and the, the the door slam is that term when get a whole full screen picture of what the app would look like and a nice picture of the app store and it says you know download our app from the app store and you've just paid roaming data to download all of that big picture and interruption and it gets in the way of the thing that you really wanted to to go and view yeah i think at most you have a little banner running along the top of the page and even that after sort of 10 or so visits you probably uh, move to the bottom of the page given the limited screen estate we're dealing with on mobile devices after two or three times of asking you make it go away and take the hint Okay, so um, next one from me. Again, it's another behavior one. Um, don't ask me to review something the moment I arrive. So there are loads of great apps now that allow you to check in to... Oh, there goes the Wii machine again. It's a There's different guy. It's a different guy. It's a different... Not the lady. Oh. It's a different color. Do you, think do you think they're doing laps? Ah, uh, sweeping machines. You get everything on 361. You do. Yeah, we'll be reviewing those in episode 7. Um, so if, if, you use, if you use an app like something like Foursquare or if you use a museum's app or a tourist attractions app or something like that, it's often a really good way to accompany you around the experience. You might go around the museum and get some added value. You might check in and see recommendations of what's good to have on the menu. But if, I arrive, if you give me the ability to fire up the app at the beginning of my day, the beginning of my journey, don't then ask me to review the, the, the thing that I've come to see. So, so many things recently I've seen. I've, log, I've logged in, I've said, I am here, or I'm doing this, and the next thing it says is, hey, give us your rating. What do you reckon about it? I said, well, I'll probably sit down at the table and actually ask the waiter to see the menu before I begin to give the, the, the restaurant a review. You mean you can't look ahead of and review your future, Ben? Well, I think... It's, it's annoying. You're not clairvoyant. Well, I, I know this is going to come as a shock to you, Rafe. But personally, I saw this coming. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, but, but, um, but what I mean is, it's, it's one. It's one thing to invite a review at the wrong time. But what's more worrying is, what were the designers thinking about our, about you know the beginning of that journey? Because surely yeah. the time you arrive is that is the time where you say well this is what you should do next you know so this is our menu or this is the layout of our museum or would you like to see a map or would you like to download the latest uh, would you like to download the latest audio guide or something like that and it shows a it, it shows where they begin to prioritize their needs over your needs because they need your feedback and you need some help and on top of that, it's really irritating because it totally devalues any concept I have of that rating because I'm going to say, well, everyone's done it before they ate their meal, so how can I have, assign any value to it? Right now, Rafe, can you finish us off with uh, the, the rule number 10, please? Rule number 10. I'm surprised we haven't had this one a bit earlier because it's important. Location awareness. Now, it's kind right. of obvious, mm. but in travel apps, it's particularly important. And it's not just about GPS. Make sure you're using the location API that's built into the platform that relies on Wi-Fi positioning and cell ID as well as GPS. And it, as Euron said, doesn't excessively poll either. But if I'm somewhere, the chances are that's contextually relevant. So when I'm looking up a flight, it probably makes sense to default to the nearest airport as my departure point or if I'm looking for restaurants, don't make me enter city information, or if I'm browsing for information, use location. And you can use it on a mobile website, and you should certainly be using it in a mobile app. And I think in travel, location is everything. And it's, it's also, uh, as you said, it's a great way to save battery, because the key thing about those other location sensing techniques is that they might be less precise, 
but they're also a lot less battery hungry as well. And, and they're always going to be good enough because they're within a you know, few hundred meters. Well, and, and, and nobody that I'm aware of has built two, two international airports within 15 yards of each other. So you can probably guess which that I'm at Heathrow, even if you think I'm you know, 10 yards down the road. Seriously, I do not want to, to use up 3% of my battery just to see where I am. And I also think you can actually start to be intelligent based on the location. So if I'm at the airport, you might be presenting me with different sets of information. Now, I haven't seen this in any of the airline apps, but if I'm at an airport, I wouldn't mind seeing information about the terminal, the terminal map or gate information. Well, I, actually, I, I really, Apple do this well. When you fire up the Apple Store app and you're in an Apple Store, it gives you a facility to buy things off the shelves. There is a, there is a case of, of converting your app to do something absolutely context sensitive and it doesn't just add a small feature it adds a whole don't even bother going to the till feature and that's great and i'm sure we're going to see more of that because we've got the beacon technology coming whether that's the bluetooth powered one or the apple powered but, one but even just from a hotel standpoint right if you're using a hotel app to book your hotel when you're in the hotel it would make sense you, can eat, you should be able to buy something and add that to your tab or even just pay for it via operator billing or something like buy a cook that way or, 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 or alternatively, as soon as it senses that you're in the area of the hotel, it says, this is the way to get onto the free hotel Wi-Fi, which is always the first question you have in a hotel. Absolutely. Okay, so those are our 10 top tips. Um, no doubt, you and McLeod is very pleased with himself. Um, no doubt uh, you will have ideas or suggestions for ones that should be different, things that should be prioritised, or even frustrations of your own. So why not write in, let us know, because, hey, you could win a prize from one of our amazing sponsors. And if, and if we read yours out next week, you could win an HTC One handset. We've got two blacks and two silvers uh, to give away, uh, and that is an incredibly generous prize from the, uh, from the guys at O2. And the HTC One's a top handset. I think it's probably my pick of the current Android handsets. Uh, absolutely, it's my pick of the current Android handsets. I know a lot of people like the uh, like the specs on the uh, on the Samsung devices, but I love the build quality and the uh, the industrial design on those HTC Ones. And what could be nicer than a free HTC One? And all you have to do is say something intelligent in a comment, Facebook, or whichever communication method you choose to use, including carrier pigeons. And be UK located as well. On, the, on next week's episode, it will be for a UK person, but don't worry, we'll pick out a UK person when we give out the prizes. This week's uh, listener's uh, email comes in from uh, Steve Barker, who emailed in because I asked because I asked on Twitter if anybody wanted to contribute. Hello, and, Steve. Hello, Steve. And um, thank you, Steve. And Steve. Steve actually has sent in seven questions, so I know he's what? not he's not going to mind that there's no prize this week because he's got six more in the bank, and they are all cr- absolute corkers. Okay, very impressive. So, do you like HTC, Steve? <laughs> well, so so let's um. Does that mean Steve's not really going to win next week? It depends. We've got lots of great feedback. Let's see. Let's see which we think is the best. Okay. Because we'll, right. we'll do it. We'll do it. I'm a fan of Steve. How about we'll do it blind. We'll put them. We'll put them in a spreadsheet, and we won't yep. know who sent them in. Do a random we'll thing. Just pick them blind. So okay, fine. Know, right, right, absolutely fair. I buy that. Okay. So, uh, but the one that I'm going to pick out from Steve's selection this week, mm-hmm. which we are going to use, uh, is search entertainment location results are increasingly distorted by. Well, see, this is topical. Ooh. Who pays wins culture? How can truly independent results thrive on mobile services? Oh, I think that's a good one. That's a really good one. Because you know, I, I, I'm sure, was it on a panel or was it on one of these? I can't remember. It's somewhere, somewhere. Uh, you know what? I did a video recently for BizCrowd. You know, there was a promo video. I had to chat about mobile marketing. And someone asked a similar question. They were saying, what do you think of paid advertising? And Steve, I'm sorry to say that I, I was actually saying paid advertising. Sometimes I really value 
that because it shows me who cares, who actually cares, who is out looking for my business. But I think you make a very good point that, I mean, it's not, it's not unusual to see a page full of effectively paid for ads. But then let me, let me ask you, what's a non-paid for ad? Because, because natural stuff, um, a lot of that is paid for as well, if, if fundamentally. But I, I think you're confusing the difference between ads and results. Because if I was searching for, if I was searching for, um, if I was searching for a service, and I was searching in a in a forum that would return ads like a Google result, then I agree with what you just said. But if I was searching through some kind of, um, if I'm searching through some kind of list, let's say of um, all the historical buildings in a certain city, like some kind of walking tour guide app, or if I'm looking for uh, something that tells me. I know all the petrol stations on a motorway for a motoring app or something like that. My interest is which is closest to me or which is most convenient to me. And the the, the owner, the creator of that app, shouldn't compromise the functionality of that app by selling out, taking money, and giving me a worse experience, making me drive five more miles because you know a BP sponsored and Shell didn't. Okay, right. Yeah. I buy that. Blanford? Well, we, as the question says, we see this in entertainment, but we also see it in location ads. And this idea that you can have a promoted ad or a promoted tweet or whatever it happens to be, it does concern me. I think the simple answer is you need to have uh, advertising guidelines, and that's why organizations like the ASA exist. But there are quite a lot of things in mobile that are on the cutting edge and don't always follow those guidelines. And we've seen it in social media. I think we'll see the same thing happen in mobile. And the honest answer is I'm not sure there's any easy way to avoid it because the reason these things you know, get positioned as paid is because they work. Paying. Right, but how, how should it be done? Well, I'm not going to answer your question because I thought of a follow-up to race. You know. uh, ben, have you got any follow-ups? <laughs> That's nice. Well, I'm just thinking as well that a lot, with, the, with the fledgling services and with the uh, with the emerging things on, on mobile, and even even big brands are still emerging on mobile. Frankly, um, I think people will vote with their feet, and if if the sponsored results and if the if the paid for results are worse, people will just go elsewhere. And the effort to set up the elsewhere and the availability of them is so huge that actually it's not as much of a pain for consumers. It's not like saying go and use a non-Google search engine, which would give you markedly worse results. You know, we're still at the stage where there can be lots of equal quality mobile services of this tool. Uh, and that's right. And frankly, you know, you hear people talking about these kinds of results and saying, we want to deliver them such that they're actually better for the consumer in some way. And I think there is a certain amount of validity to that when you talk about coupons and vouchers saying, especially offer, go to this coffee shop because you'll get a free cake with it or something like that. It's definitely an area that concerns me, but I don't think it's actually any different to what's happened elsewhere. Okay, so that's all from World Travel Market and uh, the end of episode two, season six. Uh, thank you very much, gentlemen, for your time. Thank, thank you, Steve, for your email. And also thank you to our sponsors, O2, who are jolly awesome and are supplying the prizes for, well, for next week, actually. So get writing in. All you need to do is get, get in contact with us. You can find us at 361podcast.com. We are at 361podcast. We are on Facebook. We're on Google+. Plus. If you must use it, but don't click encourages them and you can also email us as well and our email address is listed on the website we will be back next week with prizes sponsors and probably a topic we will have decided by then as well bye-bye
If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can comment, subscribe and catch up with previous episodes at 361podcast.com. If you're an iTunes user, we'd be jolly grateful for a five-star review. There's a link and pictures of how to rate the show at 361podcast.com slash rate. Each review makes it lots easier for new listeners to find us. Thank you.